Hello and welcome to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast produced by me, Fraser McGrewer, for Aleph Insights. In this series of podcasts, we take a look at interesting topics and discuss what we think they tell us about analysis and decision making. I'm here with Chris Ragg, Peter Coghill and Nick Hare of Aleph Insights. And this week we're discussing appropriate smells and inappropriate smells. Chris, kick us off. Why? Yeah. What? Yeah. Well, so um, so, so I was regaling the the team with a with an anecdote that is um that's, that's far too offensive to be broadcast uh, here. But um, essentially, the, the sort of story boiled down to uh, you know, why it is okay, for example, for parmesan to smell of parmesan, but not, for example, someone's feet. Uh, you know, why um some smells <laughs> are okay associated with some things, but but not with not with other things. Uh, and so that you know that that got us sort of talking quite a bit but then then also just more generally you know what what is going on with with smell you know what's it's a, it's an interesting sense and one which is it's the is bad boy overly, of the sense family it's the bad boy of the sense yeah. family yeah so we we um we thought it would be interesting to discuss kind of you know smell context and appropriateness but also just more generally Okay, I mean it's more visceral it's, than all the other senses. Yeah. It just, it's, well, we don't get repelled are, by stuff in the same way, or uh, you know, or well, anyway, smells that smells. As far as I'm concerned, it's information processing, so it belongs in the podcast. It's right. allowed. Okay, so well, let's dive into some other. Unfortunately, it's, it's a shame because we cannot use, as you say, the example that you mentioned. Um, it's a great example. Can't use it. Um, so look, we talked about parmesan and feet. Uh, what other examples can we think of? Uh, garlic and breath. Yeah. I love the smell of garlic, but not not when it's coming out of someone's face. I've, yeah, I've pretty much never experienced that sort of repellence to repulsion uh, of someone's breath smelling of garlic. Maybe it's because mine always smells of garlic. I've never yeah. smelled any, except from once when I got walked. I I just arrived in Switzerland at Geneva Airport and I jumped into a taxi and the whole taxi reeked of garlic. Right. The bloke must have just come across the French border. But you weren't you weren't tempted to scoff some delicious you know no. uh, food. But that's yeah. about the only time I remember going. Oh my god, this place stinks of garlic. Armpits and curry. I mean, I love the smell of curry when it's curry, but not if it's my own armpits. Okay, but have you ever smelt curry that smells? Yeah, my own armpits. Yeah, after I've eaten curry. Oh, okay. So you, so you don't make curry. Obviously, that's right what with them you. being my own armpits, I don't really mind. I'll, yeah. I'll happily <laughs> give them a sniff. You know, well, but, uh, to remind you of yourself, a delicious yeah. meal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But if it was someone else's armpit that I was being forced to sniff, it wouldn't be pleasant at all. Yeah, I, I, um, I worked with uh, somebody once, uh, and um, they smelt of shaken vac. The um, okay. the yes the product for cleaning cleaning carpets. that doesn't sound too bad put the freshness back no no but it, you know it was okay on carpets but but less so had on, they mistakenly on used it as an underarm deodorant well I don't know yeah maybe they're using it as talcum yeah. powder I think you've described half the civil service yeah. there <laughs> <laughs> uh, Peter any any examples yeah of... well uh, well sweatiness uh, is okay on the football pitch or in the gym but you wouldn't want your colleague to not have a shower when they come back to the office yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't yeah. that more about though that it's outdoors when they're when they're running? And I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Sweatiness. Uh, I mean, sweatiness itself is okay, but the smell of stale sweat. It's the stale is, sweat. Is, is, is rarely. Yeah, it's rarely pleasant. Um, um, 
And uh, I mean, there's a famous saying, or I hope it's famous, uh, which is every man. Get out, Fraser, you stink. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone's always saying that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, The famous phrase, every man loves the smell of his own farts. Yeah, I've heard that. As much as they like the look of their own handwriting or something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my handwriting is pretty awful. Yeah. My farts are fine. But um, no, but there is that. There is some truth in that. Other people's are like, oh, my God, that's terrible. One's own. Uh, Pungent and to be, you know, uh, relished. Uh, Yes. No, I don't know. (laughs) Well, well yeah, not really. I mean, no, but presumably, really. um, you know, there's a reason for that, which is that you have to um, you've got to live sit with along, You've got to live with yourself, exactly. Whereas, you know, other people less less so, and you you would probably. Well, it's a bit to. like tickling yourself as well. I mean, it's just it doesn't you somehow. You know, you know, it's just been inside you, right? So, how bad can it be? <laughs> It's just you're just recycling it. Uh, um, okay, look. So where do we go with this? Sorry, so we, we've only just started. I'm not sure where to go. Yeah. So <laughs> smells. Well, I, I, I was gonna. I mean, I think it's quite interesting just looking at what is going on when you're smelling. Nick was talking about it being, you know, information processing. Uh, so maybe just thinking actually what's hap- happening. You know, and the fact that that an odorant is a you know a, a physiochemical molecule binding to a, a specific receptor um you know those receptors are, are, are located in in uh the um olfactory epithelium in the up in the nasal cavity uh and they send messages to the olfactory bulb where the you know the, the it's pretty complicated is, is actually pretty, pretty pretty complicated, pretty complicated but, but you also to... then what's really interesting i think why smell is so interesting is is the interaction with other parts of the, of the brain like the the the, the hippocampus uh, campus and uh, uh and the amygdala and why you why smell has uh, like you were saying more visceral right why it's more Im- attached to emotions and so on so i so i think all of that's quite quite interesting it's, it's but phys- i think it's, it's physically and neurologically close to the memory centers of the brain so the amygdala and the hippocampus are crucial in memory recall and memory formation okay hence hence why you know, there's a there's an intuitive in, intuitiveness about why why it's so visceral and so emotive uh, mm-hmm. when you when it smells more so perhaps than visual stimuli mm-hmm. or, or, or audio or or something yeah um okay well i mean that's what it is that's what the process is and that's why it's so um emotive uh what's next well so so i think the um the link between smell and it, it's sort of it's very associative, and I think that's interesting, right? So there are all sorts of um, things, as we're saying. It's you know, it's important to memory. So the phrase like redolent, you know, is is about a smell that is is reminiscent of of something, you know. And this has always been in, intuitively known, but now we understand a bit more about it. But you know, it's in humans, it's important for things like um, uh, maternal bonding you know and uh like recognition of and of paternal your bonding as and, well well and paternal bonding but particularly the smell of, of breast milk and that you okay. know when a, when a before a baby can see its mother it can recognize the smell of its mother and and so on and mm. um, so basically smell is going away doing all this stuff under the surface that we're barely aware of and it's the under the surface bit of it that's <laughs> yeah. really interesting because apparently think. it also yeah we can smell our we can we can recognize our own family from smell uh Definitely. subconsciously we don't think yeah. we can but we can yeah, um, yeah, yeah, there's some theory that that's to do with incest avoidance as well. So this starts yeah. to so this kind of emotional connection starts to perhaps answer our question: Why is it okay 
uh, for Parmesan smell like Parmesan, but not feet smell like Parmesan. Well, sort of. I mean, although in a, it presents a bit of a puzzle, which is that it, we, we think of smells as being processed in a very subconscious, automatic, reptilian-type way. But obviously, actually, we can still impose... Our emotional reaction is still going to be conditioned by other things that we happen to know. Um, so, for example... I mean, honey, people think they like the smell of honey, but but when they're asked to just smell honey, a lot of people report finding it repulsive. Um, so, you know, that is clearly the niceness of the smell of honey is conditioned by something we know, which is that it's honey and, and not and, by... And, and I, think, I think, you know, this boy, there's, there's this really interesting distinction between um, uh, sort of um, explicit odour memory and implicit odour memory and that we're not particularly good at the explicit um odor memory so things like um uh smell recognition like um you know uh, um sort of uh specifically being asked um to identify an odor so you know what does this thing smell of we're not so good at but the the implicit uh odor memory where you are um, you know, there are these like weird kinds of experiments they run where you get people in um, in a set of rooms and you uh, pervade the room with particular smells. And then you ask them a series of, uh, of questions about the appro- appropriateness of smells to particular pictures of rooms and, and, and so on. And uh, they're able to associate smells with particular rooms really well even though if you say when was the last time you smelt this particular smell you know it might be the smell of leather or something people go oh you know i I don't know and it was you know it it was a smell that was used in this uh in this experiment they when asked which of these smells goes well with this room they sort of generate that um that association again so so it was you know as nick was saying this this kind of what's going on under the the surface and our attachment to things which we it's it seems like we're not particularly aware of smells as they're as they're happening or we're not we're not particularly aware of the the um uh, the building up of the memories of those smells but the the things we do recognize like visual cues and that we are good at saying oh yeah the last time i saw that thing was was so and so they get attached to the smells and so you get this mm. this sort of okay yeah this question about describing oh, smells sorry what? I, I i want to hear more from peter okay uh, yeah i think picking up what chris is sort of suggesting there, i think there's good there's there's some neurological uh, uh reasons for it the, like we, we mentioned that the smell uh stimulates parts of the brain closest to the memory formation etc which might make them more emotive and 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 associative with memory and i think but also the the the, conversely the visual and auditory parts of the brain are closer to the language centers of the brain so i think what's happened in evolution of our species is that as we started moving around the world and finding out more about it and and how to solve problems in it um the the visual and auditory parts became more important for the interaction parts and the sort of social parts as we developed and the smell bits and the taste bits got kind of not relegated per se but kind of um weren't as developed as much as the audio um anecdote i mean the evidence i sort of thinking about this and how my own perception of the world kind of works um I haven't got a very well-developed vocabulary to describe features of smells as much as I have visual or audio. So uh, visual, you use words like round and straight, and you can fairly accurately and concisely describe 
what you're seeing to somebody else. I haven't got nearly that depth of un, uh, depth of uh, vernacular to describe a smell to someone over the phone. Well, that's um, that's but that's not you're not alone. That's nearly universal. And I so I mean, on one hand, yeah, you're right that we uh, we have trade primates particularly have traded away smell um, in favour of vision. So primates and apparently also whales and dolphins, they can't be they're not fussed about smelling things either. But we we basically don't uh, you know, we obviously have much less well developed uh, sense of smell than, for example, your dog or cat. Um, But I think there's also and it's if you think about the intrinsic, the tight the way that smell works, as Chris was saying, the way that your olfactory epithelium works is it isn't um based on the uh the isolation of sort of abstract features of smells it is basically a big bank of smells um that are either triggered or not you know hundreds several several hundred four hundred or something different types of receptor which in different combinations will produce different smells um but they're not on a continuum right so whereas you can describe for example uh, you know vision in terms of a continuum you can say there is an area of vision here or you can describe a shape you know in abstract terms or a colour in abstract terms, uh, and colours come on a continuum. And so you can say this is more or less red. You can't do that with smells. You can't say this is more or less, you know, uh, of, of the smell of an egg. It just it isn't a continuous thing like that. So in a set like in order to be able to do that, to describe smells in abstract terms, which is what we need to do to be able to have this vocabulary of smells so that I'd be able to say, what does this flower smell of? And I'd say, well, it's a little bit it sort of slightly grew and uh, but it's quite shmi and that would tell you what it smelled of. Um, you it, smell would have to work differently. I mean, it just doesn't work like that, you know. So I think we you know, we all we'd need hundreds and hundreds of those words, and it's just not worth the the you know. Yeah, the, the, I, I mean, I, th- I think there's developing two. Them. I think there's two things there. One is uh, the attachment of smells to to verbal labels is apparently something that's been picked up. It's it's difficult. You, you know, you smell something, and you go, yeah, what. What is what is that? Whereas if someone shows you an orange, you're like, it's an orange, you know. Uh, I mean, that's not that's not quite true. You would probably rec- recollect the smell of a, uh, an orange, but but generally that that attachment between the sense and reaching for the verbal verbal label for it is apparently quite quite bad. But but then I suppose you know there is an element of smell not being that dissimilar to the way we receive. Uh, uh, visual cues in that you know you've got the, the, those different rods in the in the eyes that you know pick up the different prime colours and effectively yeah, mix three them. of them yeah, yeah. Like it's three of them. See, we can talk about things being red or blue or yes. green, yeah. but but they, there's four hundred of them effectively yeah. in the yeah. nose, and that they're mixed. So, yeah. you know, it's, I, I think the uh, the smell is not it's not binary. These these sensors are not binary. They do they do indicate str- strength of signal as well. So you've got potentially a greater information set than your the cones and rods in your eyes which detect intensity but also color in three bands um so you it's just i I think it's just that we just don't use it uh we don't we don't haven't trained our brains to use it either culturally or even sort of evolutionarily but you could we if we needed to we could re we could sort of regain it a bit i mean i mean that's 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 a really interesting point because um uh, you you know and we probably don't we probably don't train to use it because it's not as good as our other stuff so like if you think about kids right one of the things they were suggesting the reason we're we're not good at recollecting smells is because we don't have any formal education for it the first thing you do with a with a baby right is you give them one of those books with you know apple picture of apple here's an apple you don't waft things under their nose and say apple apple you know we don't but that's because it's not 
it's not as useful to us. So yes, because uh, vision is so useful for um, our communication. But yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the other thing I was, which picks up on Nick's point, I was going to say is um, that intensity of of smell. Do you know how they um, how they measure? Uh, sort of smell intensity because um, there's obviously you can't sort of uh, you know there's a there's a physical property to light waves you know that you can sort of measure separately from us but smell is very much about perception it's it's a bit of a bit of a weird thing but there's something called the olfactory perception threshold right and basically what this is is they release a smell into an environment mm. and they get a group and at the point at which 50% of the people go I can smell it now that's the threshold and by definition one odor unit uh, that you at that point you have one odor unit per cubic meter of that thing so you define intensity of smell by people's ability to detect it whereas you know obviously decibels and you know frequencies of of light are not detected of, in relation to our ability to perceive they, them. They're well, measured. They are, They're well, you, you tend to measure sound intensity in the same way. It's de- decibels is decibels. Uh, that's the intensity uh, in a logarithmic unit below the average, below the 50% point right. at which people would hear it. I think in principle you could measure smell in terms of parts per million of certain molecules, but yeah. the point is the sensors are really complicated. Yeah. We don't really need to. I mean, they do a similar thing with Scoville scale, which is how how hot chilies are by watering them down until people can't taste them anymore. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, that, that just seems to me like uh, presumably I'm not an engineer. That's Peter's job. Um, but presumably we could uh, create uh, sensors for, for all of these things. But we just there's no point because like, what's, I think it'd be quite fun to? to make a child's book a sm- that was a yeah. sort of scratch and sniff that educated yeah. them more about smells. But you could I mean, I mean, we. Look, I, I've been exposed to the smell of coffee and oranges and stuff my entire life. Um, and uh, I, I, but, but at the same time, apparently tests have shown that people are really bad, even at recognizing things like the smell of coffee. It's 50%, you know, but people will be able to name it. Um, so I don't know. I feel like this could be one of those weird experiments where you spend 20 years trying to get a kid to, to recognize smells and at the end of it, they're useless. Uh, I don't know. Like, I, and that's the question. Are we are we intrinsically bad at it? Um, which is what some of the but uh, sorry, just in favor of Peter's hypothesis that you can learn it. There, there are the um, apparently the Manik and Jahai speakers of Southeast Asia. OK, the well-known Manik and Jahai speakers. They they apparently do smell is very important to them. And because uh, of their, you know, being able to smell leaves and being able to smell animals and that kind of thing. Um, I don't know why them more so than anyone else, but it is. Uh, and so they've been documented as having they have abstract smell names. So they have for a word that is sort of like means uh, the smell of a badger in the dry season or smelling tasty like cooked food or smelling like something that will attract tigers. Um, now, those aren't uh, those. We can't translate the words. So that they, well, they've been translated into something which sound like oh, it's the smell of oranges, but it's not. It's an abstract term that isn't the smell of some specific thing, you know, because we don't have words like that. We don't kind have, of like you know. aromatic or sp- spicy. Would yeah, spicy. or etherous or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And things like yeah, that. Well, yeah. um, how do we want to finish this off? We're pretty much there. Well, favourite smell seems like... Well, absolutely. That's definitely yeah. we're coming on to that. Um, but before we come on to favourite smells, anything? Okay, so what I want to ask you is the following. I want you to think, you've got a max, you don't have to use all of these, but you've got up to top th- three smells, your your favourite three smells, and also your least favourite smell. And for your least favourite smell, try and not go to the for the obvious, like, you know, raw sewage or rotten food or something, okay? So have a think for a moment, yep. and when you're ready, you, we can chime in. 
um, with your with your top with your with your favourite smells. Anyone ready? I'm ready. Go for it, Nick. Yeah. So uh, top top of the list, own children. Mm. Yeah. They, they. I mean, and I. Oh, I'm not even sure I can say what the smell is particularly. Like it's not even necessary. It's just that sometimes I'll give them a cuddle with a with a just using that as an excuse to give them a good sniff. Uh, it's something very relaxing about the smell of your own children. They, they and that smell changes as well when they're babies. They smell great. They just have this amazing yes, baby babies, smell, which yeah. which disappears but gets replaced by their own special smell. Well, they smell great for part of the time. Yes, yeah, yeah. and then a lot of the time, even then. Um, so, and I would throw in pseudo cream. The smell of pseudo cream is also part of that whole nostalgic basket, which a lot of people now a lot of people don't know what pseudo cream smells of. Do you know what it smells of? Hold on, isn't that the thing that goes on their bum? That's the magic cream that cures all. Skin it's ailment. good for cycling yeah. as well. I've always I called it pseudocreme. Yeah, it's spelled pseudocreme, but it's obviously meant to be. So what does it smell of? It smells of lavender, really clearly. But you, nobody knows that until they smell it, and they go, "Oh yeah, of course, it's lavender." So that's, that'll be that's one of them. The other one is uh, the smell of old-fashioned soap. Is is so? I don't know. That's well, like, one of those ones that what has, sits pearl, cousins pearls, whatever it's called. It's, it's the yeah that smell of soap you don't get in modern soap basically the smell of bars of white soap that you get in a old you know uh sort of shanks armitage victorian bathroom i it just i think it reminds me of primary school or something that's another one of those ones that has sort of somehow got into my subconscious and and the other one is uh my top my third one would be a nice a nice perfume which is essentially the smell of teenage girls in the 1990s <laughs> <laughs> and uh, just for, in, before anyone calls the police, I was a teenage boy in the 1990s. <laughs> but that one is whenever I smell it, it takes me back to a, a different time. Yeah. Okay. Peter. The, the smell of cooking meat, specifically beef. I can mm. go from. I can, I can, it will instantly make. Frying? Me, or? Uh, well, no, roasting. Anything. Roasting or barbecuing. I'm actually, I'm actually salivating uh, as you're talking. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It will make me instantly hungry. Yeah. Feeling instantly hungry. Um, okay. Uh, similar to that, co- coffee and chocolate—they um, have a similar sort of effect. Um, there's a particular smell which I can't pin down, but it's a sort of—it's a kind of disinfectant cleaner smell. Yeah. That reminds me strongly of of school. It was—it was a particular brand or particular chemical that they used at school that reminds me of a nice sort of innocent, safe time, very young age. And occasionally, I. You, I, get, I pick it up in public buildings and places. They obviously use the same chemical um, at random, and that's very invocative of particular memories. That's, mm-hmm, that's, mm-hmm. A, that's a nice smell. Um, and the other thing, I, uh, the other, the other smells I quite like a DIY smell. So oh, the smell yeah. of sawn wood, yeah. the smell of um, sort of plasterboard, you know, being drilled, um, stones being cut, um, metal, to- and um, sort of the smell of Oil and metal uh, reminds me of working on bikes and the yeah. smell of bicycles and things. So, yeah, it reminds him of the day he was made in a workshop pre- right. yeah, by a kindly yeah. carpenter. <laughs> so that's quite a pleasing smell. <laughs> they're, they're quite ple- but they, they're, they're, that's a very good. That's an interesting one because you, you, you smell quite a lot to smell when some to help diagnose what problems are because clean, fresh grease smells very different from dirty, contaminated grease. Ah. So you can if you, if you when you take something apart. Uh, just cleaning it up will often solve a problem, and it's the smell that tells you that the grease is often bad. Yeah, yeah. Okay, nice, nice collection, uh, uh, Chris. Uh, well, for me, I think um, bookshops 
like and usually independent bookshops you know have a sort of musty sort of a sort of i don't know they 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 just have a smell of freshness and knowledge knowledge yeah it's the smell of knowledge yeah um then uh i i think there's a particular type of it's maybe a clementine uh or um uh, some sort of tangerine that you get at christmas which are really really um like taut and and lovely and they're the the christmas ones and so i associate that with christmas and uh you know that i they smell really nice yeah um and then i think the the third one for me is wallflowers i love the smell of of wallflowers always always Ah, i don't know what they're like Um, yeah i know yeah they're the 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 sort of shy girls you mean yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's easy to pray yes, on. Again. Yes. Uh, no, I mean the uh, the the bloom. Okay. Uh, you know, for me, I think my top one is actually the same as Nick's. Is the smell of, in very particular, of my ba- of my daughter's um, newborn um, head, um, her hair. That sort of sweet baby smell. Um, beautiful. Um, the other one is autumn. I love autumn. It's my favourite season, and that's a smell. Rain of- on leaves. Yeah. <laughs> And yes. and what I like about autumn as well is the fact that um, it's that sort of it's a kind of sweet sorrow thing. It's sort of the year coming to an end. Winter is coming, yeah. but it's certainly in the UK, it's sort of the start of a new academic year and so sort of new beginnings. There's something about that yeah, I quite good. like. You make a persuasive case. Yeah, and then then the third one is actually very specific and goes back to one smell at one time, which was about uh, 15 years ago. I broke my arms really badly, and I was in hospital for quite a while after a car accident. Or Plaster a of Paris. Yes, so, 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 and what it was, was I was being tended to by all sorts of different nurses. <laughs> <laughs> there was this one uh, nurse who was a larger lady, and she just had a, a very distinctive s- a smell about her. And it was just immediately affecting on me and uh, I just <laughs> she imprinted herself on you <laughs> anyway so those are my favourite ones uh, least favourites uh, let's make these ones quick Peter uh, I'm still try- struggling to think of one actually Chris uh, so for me it's um, Manchego cheese Ugh. the point at which I, I liked Manchego cheese and then my wife pointed out to me that it smells of vomit and <laughs> I now can't touch Manchego cheese that's a real shame I love that that's stuff. a shame yeah. isn't yeah. it that's good oh, I can, uh, I, it's funny I can switch it off when I know it's not vomit okay uh, Peter uh, the smell of magnolia flowers um, they have a they have a sickly nasty sort of smell to, in my mind anyway much like in the same way that the, the paint colour the, the emulsion colour is just horrid and mm. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah, something bodily about some flowers. Isn't and there? you sometimes get magnolia flavored soap. And there's a some at my parents' house at the moment, and it hasn't been touched. It's, the yeah. bottle's been there for about five years, and no one uses it because it's horrid. Okay. Yeah, right. What's that flower that smells of semen? That's not. Yeah. A there's one. there's lots. Of, sometimes yeah. you get a tree or a flower which is you know in the street, and it's a really pungent, <laughs> yeah. spermy smell. Yeah. Not mad about that one, uh, Nick. Well, it's boring because it's similar to Chris, but it's my friend Steph's car. It's the worst smell I can remember for uh, for the last de- decade or two. She's got uh, three travel kit boys who are all travel sick, and uh, it was just so she gave me a lift down to the shops uh, a few a couple of months ago, and it was just it was just like having my head in a bag of vomit. I had to open oh the window. God. She was completely immune to it. 
Uh, well, I that's found it unbearable. It? Yeah. I was virtually uh, on the on the on the edge of being sick myself. So Steph's car smells <laughs> of Manchego. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, well, my car's a bit like that. We used to nickname it the Vomit Comet. Yeah, because one of my kids, yeah, he just permanently used to throw up in it. Uh, my least favorite smell, uh, tequila. Tequila. Oh, really? I wow. just just because every time I've ever drunk it, I've vomited. Yeah. So I smell it and I get the shivers. You know. Seems like vomit is a popular one for mm. not being mm. an unpleasant smell. Yeah. It's right up there, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, um, well, on that pleasant note, um, we, we'll, we'll, we'll draw things to a conclusion there. Uh, thank you, as always, for listening to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast. I'm Fraser McGrew. You've been here with Nick Hare, uh, Peter Coghill, and Chris Ragg of Aleph Insights. Until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.